0: Hi, and welcome to Screens and Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we're talking about the Oscar nominations. We'll be discussing the nominated films and performances that we've seen or are excited to watch. But before we dive in, how are you today, Margaret? Oh, I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. (laughs) It's an exciting time. It is. Yeah. You know what? So thinking about the Oscars, is there a favorite Oscar moment that comes to mind? Well, for me, I really
1: liked it when Billy Crystal, I believe he was the host and they went. They did little snippets of all the um, movies with him reenacting parts.
0: Yes, and
1: um, and that you so they would cut to do these stupid little films and everything that they had done. But they were hysterical because he's he's just a really funny guy anyway. But. Um, <laughs> Jack Palance, this very old man in very good shape. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I remember when he came out and he was doing his push ups. (laughs) He helped push up to whoever else was out there. Unless it was just him, I'm not sure. But anyway, it was just, I just remember that because it was such a
0: big deal. It was. It was. I agree with you. Because that would be my answer about Billy Crystal, because he is yeah. my favorite host. And I yeah. I loved it every time he did it. He's yep. so funny. I love how they incorporated the movies. I really miss him doing it. But he said it was a lot of work to do that. So I oh, think I'm that's sure. why he stopped doing it after several years. <laughs> I wish he'd come back. I wish he would. But... Uh, I wish there was somebody who could take his place because uh, to me, there hasn't been anyone that has measured up to what he could do. So
1: I don't know. I kind of like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the women do this, this time around because the two, you know, the two from Saturday night live, I forget the Tina Fey. Yeah. uh, Those guys are funny. They've got a really dry sense of humor. I think they did a pretty good job, but this, this go around, it's going to be three. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that.
0: Who's the, you know what? I don't even know who the three are that are hosting it's, this year. Uh, the blonde, and then <laughs>
1: that helps <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> oh, she's Amy Schumer. It's Amy uh, Schumer. Okay, and then it's um, two other ladies, and I think one is a comic. Let's see. I'll look it up right now. So Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. Okay, cool. Well, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, that's kind of neat. Anything out? I mean, they always have such obscure things occur, but I mean, like Jennifer Lawrence falling up the stairs to get her award. That was kind of funny too. Yeah. I mean, funny in a, you know, ooh, painful way.
0: <laughs> I, I look forward to the speeches. I do. But of course, I don't want anyone who's too long-winded, but I do really love the heartfelt ones. Those just yeah. really move me. And that's what I'm... I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. So we'll see uh, who goes yeah. up there and what they say.
1: All right. Well, I just hope that they're worth, I hope, honestly, I hope that the people who win are really the ones aren't who are not winning because they've been up so many times that they're finally getting around to it. Yeah. Giving it to them, uh-huh. you know? I mean, I, I really want them to award the people who are doing the best job. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, friends out there, let us know what you think. What has been your favorite Oscar moment? We would love to know. You can leave us a comment on social media, our website, or email at screensinfocus at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. The links are in our show notes. Okay, so we are going to talk about the Best Picture nominees. So I'm going to talk about the first five, and then Margaret will break down the next five, because there are 10 so one of the nominees is Nightmare Alley, which I just recently saw. This is directed by Guillermo del Toro, who won an Oscar for the shape of water. And he makes beautiful films. And this one was beautifully shot. It is a neo noir psychological thriller. And normally I don't watch these, but I actually enjoyed it. It stars Bradley Cooper, Cate Blanchett, Tony Collette and William Defoe. And uh, I liked watching it. I, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, Cooper played a Carney. And, uh, learning the tricks from his fellow Carney and then using that knowledge to scam people. So it's just, it was interesting to, to see his journey and where he ended up. It was basically, uh, kind of a full circle. So if you like that type of film, then you should watch that. I also saw Power of the Dog. And I know, uh, Margaret is not a fan of this one, but (laughs) I, I have to say I I did enjoy it. Jane Campion wrote and directed this 1920s Western about toxic masculinity and addiction, and it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith-McPhee. And they all had, all of them had phenomenal performances, which is saying a lot in one film. Uh, but Cumberbatch played a cowboy named Phil who is cruel and vile toward his brother George's new wife Rose and her son Peter. And what kept me watching was how this story unfolds as we learn of Phil's secrets and how his relationship with Peter evolves. It was a slow burn, but for me, it was the ending that brought it all together. Because it was sort of like Sixth Sense when you see the ending and then all of a sudden all these small moments have a bigger impact. And so that's what happened for me in this film. I had to go back and think about all these little things that were so significant that I didn't realize. And so I love it when movies do that. So that's why I appreciated this movie. Don't Look Up by Adam McKay is also another nominee. It's a satire with an ensemble cast that includes Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, uh, among so many others. And it's about two astronomers trying to warn the world of an impending comet, but no one believes it. And they really don't care. So I liked this movie. I know uh, I've seen critics and people review this movie and they're not huge fans, but I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. It's on Netflix so you can check that out. Okay, so the next movie I'm going to talk about is just one of my all-time favorite movies, and that is West Side Story. So I love the original, and I love the remake. The remake is by Steven Spielberg. The music, the choreography, the story, each of these moves me on its own, and then together, it just makes this an incredible film. If you haven't seen it, you should really watch it because I love this movie. This is set in the 1950s Manhattan, New York. West Side Story explores forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. It's a beautiful film. I just watched it again last night. This morning, the songs were going through my head. You know, the choreography is so good. So the original had to me the best choreography ever. And the fact that I could see this movie, you know, what, 60 years later, and still be moved by the music and the choreography, it just says a lot about This whole movie. And I just think Steven Spielberg did a phenomenal job in recreating this film to a fresh new audience and having a new screenplay by I believe it's Tony Kushner. Um, I just think it's really well done please, please, please go watch this. We actually did a standalone podcast episode, so I will put that in the show notes. The fifth nominee is Drive My Car. And this is a Japanese drama road film where a man loses his wife and is in grief and is assigned a young woman driver and forms an unlikely kinship. And um, I like this movie. It was long for me, but um, I did appreciate it. What about you Margaret? Why don't you give us the next five nominees? Well, I the movies that
1: I was able to see and I didn't see them all and then when I did have the the ability to see them I may not have made it through the whole thing. <laughs> so because I really just couldn't get into either the style or the direction or um just the story. Yeah. And one of those things is that I couldn't get through was Belfast and unfortunately it was. It started out pretty intense. Um, I probably got through about 20 minutes of it, but Kenneth Branagh had uh, directed it. And I'm not sure if it was a, based on his life experience or someone that he knew, but it was about the time in 1969 in Belfast. And it was, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants and the people not wanting to share the space and just having neighborhood, I don't know, riots and just get out of our neighborhood kind of thing. And it was a very violent Violent time. And that might've been part of the reason I just couldn't get through it to realize that actually that was going on because we live in a bubble over here in the United States. We don't really know a lot of the stuff, the strife that has occurred, but I did, I went to high school with a girl who was Irish and her parents were Irish and St. Patrick's day got to wear that green, can't wear that orange. (laughs) So, I mean, it was just, and that's coming up, you know, Yeah. St. Patrick's day is next weekend or whenever that is the 15th, 17th, something like that. So, but I think, I think being shot in black and white was probably for to reflect the time period. Um, cause everything was black and white in 69, but, um, film wise, TV wise, all that, but I don't know. I just couldn't, I couldn't really, I couldn't grasp it. So I checked out. Then I also saw Dune and Dune. I really, I did not see the first Dune. And this is done by Dennis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I just thought it was an incredible piece of art. It was beautifully shot. Probably it was all, you know, special effects and um, computer generated and all that kind of stuff. But um, the costuming, the colors, the tones, it really, really set the whole mood and feel for what they were doing. The story was was interesting in that it's it's about them trying to settle a whole different location planet in, you know, space. And um, because of the minerals, which is... Ends up being like a drug and the spice. And so that's what they sell. They, but the people who are harvesting it, um, are the ones who have to deal with all these other territorial, terrestrial creatures that like to eat them. Kind of like, um, that movie with the worms, tremors. Yes. Remember I, that? I so it
0: kind of reminded me of that. I likened it to that previously. So that's so funny. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So
1: it's funny, but I love the characters. I thought they were, they were very well done, very well played. And just everybody was perfectly cast and I love the costuming. I just, it's a, was a really, um, like a, I, I like ate it with my eyes. Um, the storyline wasn't bad. I also really enjoyed, even though it was difficult um, because it was a longer movie, Licorice Pizza. I enjoyed it. It stuck with me for days afterwards, but I think that's because it was based or um, set in the 1970s and um, in the Valley in California. And, you know, being in New York State, upstate New York, not having the worst time of my life in the 70s because it was so boring. And this movie was all about what you would think it would be about in California. So it's about these two characters, really, Gary and Alana and Gary is this 15 year old actor guy who gets around town and everybody knows who he's, he is. Cause he's done extra work and then he gets speaking parts. And now he's getting older and he's getting fatter and he's getting he got pimples. And so he's not the cute little kid. So he is, they meet school picture day because she's handing out combs and doing hair in order to have the picture, you know, for their school picture done properly. And so that's where they meet. And he tells his brother, that he's met the woman he's gonna marry. So that's been. His, so he kind of chases her through the whole movie without really obviously chasing her. But he's, he's one of those guys who likes to come up with all these get rich quick schemes. So he's selling water beds, or he's that's the one I remember the the biggest because he actually had a shop. But he's always working it, trying to make some money on the side, and and um, it's just all of these things that they go through and all the people that they meet and. You know, they, they run into um the hairdresser who was dating Barbara Streisand for a minute. Um, and he bought he buys a water bed and they install it and then it's just this disrespect that goes on and it's just so intense in some parts, but it's just like one thing after another. And she's twenty five and he's fifteen. So it's kinda yeah, like crazy. this very yeah, insanely ridiculous relationship. The other movie I really, really enjoyed was King Richard. And that was directed by Ronaldo Marcus green. And I'm not sure if he's done anything, but I really, really enjoyed the, the film because it showed the history of Serena and Venus and their father and taught, you know, showed the family, showed them in Compton, showed what was going on at, at the time and how that played into you know the African American experience in general, um, not being able to get onto a tennis court, so they had to play on the the park courts, which were run by the gangs. And so, you know, it was just it was just a really kind of amazing thing that this father did, and that these girls actually were able to live up to his expectations and continue through. And they learned a lot about life, and they learned a lot about business savvy or picked it up. And, um, you know, they were not going to sell themselves short. And I just thought it was really kind of a cool, a cool thing. And, and for this father back then, and that was like the 90s, early 90s, uh, when the riots went on and all that stuff, Rodney King, the whole deal. And um, just, it was just amazing. And then they, they ended up moving to Florida. And then that's where they I probably they don't, well, they lived the rest of their, you know, child life and then they became professional, but it was, it's just kind of interesting, you know, to, to see that. And I thought it was really well done, very well directed. And then the very last film that I have is, was my absolute favorite only because it really, really hit a lot of emotional, um, chords with me, just the family unit and how they all supported each other and, you know, it's a, four people in this family, a son and a daughter, and then two parents. And they're, everybody's deaf except the girl, the daughter. And she is their, their connection to the hearing world. And so they are heavily re- relying upon her to do communication and to um, just translate and just be their connection to, like, what you and I, our lives and they're so different as far as how they live versus how we live and how they communicate. And they show that beautifully. Sia a heater. I think it is, um, is the director. And I believe she wrote it. I think I'm not sure, but anyway, um, I just thought it was really, really well done because of the relationships, because of just the conflict and just, you know, it hit a lot of, uh, a lot of notes, you know, you're happy, you're sad,
0: and yeah. I really
1: thought that they, it was a, a nice, you know, a nice uh, reflection or representation of having what their world is like versus what ours is like.
0: So, yeah. And that's Coda. I, uh, I agree with you. I thought that movie was really, really well done, too. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I also saw Dune and I enjoyed that one as well. I cannot wait to watch Licorice Pizza. I'm still looking forward to it. And King Richard, I felt like I learned a lot in that movie, which I had no idea. So um, I thought it was a great movie, too. So I agree with all your thoughts. And I love how well you articulated it all. I'm like, oh, can you go back and do mine? The ones that I said. No, no, no. (laughs) you you make me want to watch uh, the ones that I haven't seen. So and, even though, and wait, wait, wait. And even the ones I have seen, I was like, oh, she's right. Oh, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought that too. So huh. thank you, Margaret. Well. I appreciate your thoughts on those. Okay, so let's move on to best actor. So Javier Bardem or being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, and Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I think this last one is the only one that I couldn't get through, unfortunately. And I love, <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> I love Denzel, love, love him. I watch everything he does. He's so good. Uh, but I just, I had a hard time and it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's different, right? You're, you're watching I, Shakespeare. Well, so, uh, yeah, I don't
1: think it, tra- it did not translate at all. It was too disconnected.
0: I just think I had too much other things going on for me to really stay focused, but, uh, mm. I did see Javier in, uh, being the Ricardos. I thought he did really well, but I also think it's hard to do such iconic people. That you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, that you really, really know really well. And so I think he did a great job. Uh, but did it stick out to me? Not specifically. Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog, of course. I think he is amazing. And I actually really liked his performance here. Um, you know, it's not easy playing a villainous role, and I thought he did it really well, and he's a really complex character. And so I, yeah, he did mesmerize me in this, uh, in this particular character and Andrew Garfield. I have seen him and of course as Spider-Man in other films. And I think he's really, really good and very talented, but he surprised me. I had no idea he could sing and sing this well. And so I was thoroughly impressed with him in Tick Tick Boom. And then Will Smith. I love everything Will Smith does. I'm a huge fan. I follow him on Instagram. Um, He is just, he's just got this personality that just draws you in. But here, he wasn't even using that. He was being, you know, Venus and Serena's father. And again, that's not easy to do. I didn't see Will Smith in that. I thought, wow, you're good. I love this. What did you think, Margaret, of the performances? Well, for, for me, I didn't,
1: I didn't see tragedy of Macbeth. And it just was too, um, too choppy for me because they were focused. They highlighted all these little monologues that these people had. But, um, that lady that was twisted up like a pretzel, I was like, what the? (laughs) So that's when I went out and I didn't even get to Denzel. So I don't even know because it was just too, it was, it was just too forced. It was not real. It was not, they were not connected to the characters at all. So, and I don't know how Denzel did. Did he connect or did he not connect? I don't know. Did he?
0: I told you I didn't watch it all, but yeah. So you saw him at least, right? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did.
1: So maybe he brought something more to it, but the people that I saw just were like, nope, no thanks. Um, and then the Javier, I did not, I did not watch that. I'm not really a Lucy fan. I'm sorry, but I'm not really a Lucy fan. Um, Blasphemy. <laughs> I know. I don't like, I don't like it when they do the, um, when they do biopic type films. Yeah, I just don't. I yes. Cause they can't do it and I don't care who's in it. And then Garfield could not, I mean, tick, tick, boom, forget it. Could not get through <laughs> that either. He was I just too it. big. I, I did it, it too phony. He was way too phony for me. And I didn't get through it once again. Um, and I did get through Power of the Dog only because you said I spoke to you after you'd seen it, and you really liked it. And I thought, well, look, and you know what? It was a beautifully shot film. So, cinematically, it was just you can't touch it. Um, I loved, you know, I love, I love the West anyway. So, it really epitomized that whole that whole location. Um, I think it was filmed in New Zealand. No, I, yes, but yeah, I mean it still yeah. was supposed to be the, the West, look right? of it, so right.
0: yeah, the look of it, yeah,
1: so it's still uh I mean, New Zealand has got a lot of different colors, so you can shoot almost anything there, but um landscape wise so, so, I watched it for that, but I didn't i I mean, and again, it was the dialogue was just, I eh. know I'm talking more about the movies than I am about the characters, but Benedict did a wonderful job, and then, uh. Will Smith, I really, really enjoyed. As you said, he he just dissolved into that father. I didn't even know it was Will Smith. And I just thought that was incredible because he's done so many things that you can, you know, he, he relies upon some of these little sticky things that he does. Yeah. And he didn't do any uh, of that uh, stuff uh, uh-huh. at all in this film. He was truly an actor in this film. So I really, really appreciated his abilities and just the whole thing. And it's probably the director. So these actors are actually being directed
0: yeah. versus just do your thing. Right. So, you
1: yeah. know, that's that's what I felt about the male
0: actors. Okay. Tell us about the Best Actress nominees.
1: Yes. So here we have a few of these that I'm talking about. Three out of the five are biopic picks. So, again, we have um, Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman, Being the Ricardos, and Christian Stewart in Spencer. Now, three of these are biopic picks. So right there, I'm out the door because there's no way these people can, I mean, they can try as best they can to, to do it, but I just, honestly, I did not see, I don't never like Tammy Faye in Jim, so pfft. You know, didn't watch that one, even though I do appreciate Jessica Chastain. She's really coming into this as an older actress. You know, when she started to do some really, really good films, she was in her upper 30s or early 40s, whatever. I mean, she's she wasn't a teenager getting into the business. So I really, really appreciated her. She went to Juilliard, too. I don't know if you knew that, but so she's got the chops. And, um, you know, I saw her one of her first films and I really, really liked, and I like her in everything she does. So yeah. I probably would have appreciated this, but the yeah. story would have killed me. Right. Um, Olivia Coleman, the lost daughter. Now, Olivia Coleman blew into fame with uh, the crown and she's very subtle. She's very natural, effortless. I like to say, and I, I thought she did an incredible job in this film because she, went from giddy to, um, distraught to just kind of crazy all within, you know, she hit every single note that you're supposed to hit when you're an actor, you wish for a part like that so that you can actually display your abilities and be believable and, um, have it read. And I, I thought she did an incredible job. I just, she had me sold. I mean, I thought I, you know, I first I felt sorry for her, then I hated her because I know. she was such a whack job, you yeah. know. Yeah. And in the end, I mean, it it ended up all working out, but the lost daughter wasn't the lost daughter; it was Olivia, period, mm-hmm. because she was just so crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Christian Stewart, I started watching Spencer, and oh, I don't know if Diana was like that. How she her delivery of the lines and just. You know how she how she interpreted it, but um, I just I could not appreciate it. So she she came off as being a little crazy and disrespectful and just very self involved. And I cannot believe, in my opinion, I can't believe that Diana was actually like that. Mm. And um, you know, it just if you watch it, she just the the way she spoke. Um, accent was okay, but just the way she spoke and the little things that she would do with her eyes and all that kind of stuff. I think what she ended up doing was just, um, taking bits and pieces that we are familiar with from seeing, having seen Diana in interactions. Right. And then just applying that to almost every, every interaction that she had. So, and like I said, I didn't get through the whole thing, um, because it just seemed like a downer. It was a Mm. real dark, depressing movie. Uh. And I, and, um. And then Nicole Kidman does well in everything she does, but again, how the hell are you going to be Lucille Ball?
0: Exactly.
1: So, I it. <laughs> agree. I well, same
0: thing. I, I I agree with everything you said about everybody. Nicole Kidman is so good. I love her. I even love everything she's like doing recently. Like in the last couple of years, she just gets better and better. But. How can you do Lucille Ball? Cause to me, I do love Lucy. I love Lucille Ball. She is my favorite actress of all time. Um, and so it, it's hard. It was hard to watch this. And w- even though Nicole Kidman did a good job portraying her, it, it still wasn't Lucille Ball. So it was just yeah. a movie. Um, and so, yeah, so I agree with you on that. And Olivia Coleman, I felt the same way about her that one minute I thought I liked her and one minute I didn't. But I didn't see her acting at all. I felt like I was a, just watching secretly this person's life that I just happened upon. And I appreciate that when people can make it seem like you're just peeking in on their lives. So she did a really Mm -hmm. phenomenal job in that. The movie itself, I didn't care for a lot. Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, something I'd want to watch again, but I just thought it was interesting. I'm glad I did watch it. And I thought she was really good at it. But I did want to touch upon Jessica Chastain because I did watch this movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And I agree with you about not really uh, wanting to watch this topic or this film about their life. But she really immersed herself in this role. And and I know we right. talked about we don't like to see people that are, are you know, biopics. But maybe because I don't really know Tammy Faye, we only know what we saw on screen right. of her.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: Man, Jessica Chastain channeled her really good. Uh, I would almost want you to watch part of it just so you could see her performance because it's really good. I loved her performance in this. I really do love Je- Jessica Chastain and everything she does. I am still I still have the uh show or the series she did uh Scenes from a Marriage that's on HBO. Her and Oscar oh. Isaac did mm-hmm. um a limited series. That still is in the back of my mind. They were so good. Both of those actors were so good in that. I just I actually should probably go back and watch it. Um, it's a little depressing, just so you know, if anybody tries to go look for it, but it's so good. It's a, you know, they're a married couple going through their dissolution of marriage and all the ups and downs that happen. And man, you are in there. They're so good. Now they went to school together. I think they went to, if they went to Juilliard, I think you had mentioned they both went together and they knew each other when they went. And then, uh, of course, they reunited in this, um, in that show. But I'm not talking about that performance right now, even though I am. <laughs> um, well, he was in Dune, so yes, exactly. He was the dad, and I in loved Zoom, him in Dune. Zoom, Dune yes. I, uh, <laughs> so I know, um, I know, I love them, love, love, love them. Yeah. So, anyways, but yeah. Jessica Chastain was really good in this role. So uh, thank you, Margaret, for um, all your thoughts on the Best Actress nominees. So do you have any other nominations that you want to talk about?
1: Well, for the uh, like I was saying, the pretty, you know, the visually stimulating imagery that they and I'm being the photographer. That's so that's what I look at. And this year I felt that the cinematography really was key in a lot of these films getting nominated because they were just so beautifully shot Mm -hmm. and they just, and I don't know if that's because people started seeing things differently because of the whole COVID thing and being locked up, you know, in your house forever Uh and then getting out and actually experiencing life outside. So for the ones that I really thought were were just beautifully shot, were um, or CG'd, um, was Doom, Dune, Doom, <laughs> Doom. <laughs> Doom. <laughs> and um, the Tragedy of Macbeth was really interesting the way that that was shot. Mm-hmm. I thought, and uh, West Side Story looked from the previews, looked like it was pretty flashy. You know, very, and, and um, of course, Nightmare Alley, and I and um, Power of the Dog, obviously, so I talked about that. But all these things, I think, made a mark. Visually, you would remember, um, at least like the preview, you would remember something about them because of the way they were shot, because they were so specific to the film itself. It wasn't just like, I mean, Coda was not that interesting the way that it was shot as far as scenery, but these uh-huh. others were just like crazy. And then, of course, the directing part aspect of it, just how these actors kind of fell into these characters and you didn't see them anymore. So to me, I I thought that um, that the Belfast actually was kind of interestingly shot just because of the um, coordination of the fight scenes and the people. I mean, just like a massive group, you know, hard to capture all of that, what's going on. And the licorice pizza I thought was pretty good. Actually, the the kid Gary is the son of um, Philip H- Seymour Hoffman. Oh, it's his son, that's right. I, I think I read
0: I, that somewhere. But yeah, I, forgot. I didn't know that
1: until two days ago. But he uh, looks just like him. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. And then this the the girl is uh, oh geez. I can't she's the first film she's done and actually her whole family who is the family in the in the film is her family. And oh, um cool. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, like her dad is really her dad. So uh, <laughs> yeah. but um I just thought, you know, to to distinguish between, you know, directing newbies more or less and then um and like Will Smith, you know, again, he ha- he must have had to have been directed incredibly to give that performance, which was still not Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, music, music was a little out there for me. The the songs that were nominated, I didn't, the only one that I really, really liked that I thought was representative of the film was the Encanto. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which is by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is used to, you know, writing for the stage and so when I listened, I, I took a clip and I listened to the part of it that was actually done in the film. And I cut to the guy who actually recorded it for the soundtrack and without all the other stuff in it. And um, it was a really pretty upbeat song. All the other songs are pretty intense or um, depressing or dark. Just not that interesting. Although Ruba McIntyre with Four Good Days, mm-hmm. her song, um, I thought that was it was a story, you know. So I thought that one was interesting too, but the other ones just didn't really do it for me. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see.
0: What what do you think about anything else? I um well I wanted to bring up supporting actress. Because oh this is actually gonna be a really tight race. Uh, between Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog, Anjanou Ellis and King Richard, Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter, Judy Dench in Belfast, and Ariana DeBose in West Side Story. And so it's mm-hmm. been 60 years. So 60 years ago, Rita Moreno made history as the first Hispanic actress to ever win an Oscar for best supporting actress as Anita in West Side Story. And so here, Ariana could win for that same role for that same category. Right, which would be so cool. So I'm really pulling for her here. I really am. So I wanted to bring don't that up. I think She's
1: gonna win it.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. They say she's well. I think it's between her and Kirsten Dunst for me because t- yeah, it's those,
1: Kirsten Dunst. So those are
0: it. the two move. Those are the two yeah. people that I that I think could win. I mean, they all could yeah. win, right? But I mean, those are the two that I would think might win and hope might win. So let me just say that mm-hmm. because. Ariana had to not just act she had to sing and she had to dance so she was doing three things in this film not just one yeah, so but yeah, I know, yeah I know I <laughs> know
1: but it's like the first thing she's done really right yeah. put her on the map well, I like. think
0: she was on in Hamilton oh well but it's
1: so. bra- you're still it's like stage stuff yeah. though so yeah. I wonder if that's going to play true. into it yeah. because they're theater theater pieces being transformed to film so mm, I
0: don't know yeah I'd be happy with Kirsten Dunst, too, because like I said, I saw the movie. I thought all those performances were so good, which lends itself, like you were saying, to the best director. Because, you know, Jane Campion uh, in Power of the Dog got all those performances from, you know, four actors who are all nominated. They're all nominated. That says a lot about that film and and what she was able to do. Um, And Mm -hmm. also... For CODA, Troy Katzer, he's uh, received a Supporting Actor nomination. And so he's mm-hmm. an Oscar newbie. And he would become the first Deaf Male Academy Award nominee, or he is the first uh, nominee. But he could be, if he wins, he could be the first to win for his portrayal of a non-hearing parent of that budding singer in CODA. So yeah. that would be a fun, um, a fun win for him. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay. So I want to know, Margaret, your picks for best actress. We're going to go one by one, but it'll be best actress, best actor and best film. So for best actress, who do you think will win?
1: I think Olivia Colman will win only because she is an original role. It just was so, it had such a great range And she did it effortlessly. Yeah. So.
0: I agree with you. I was teetering, um, but I picked Jessica Chastain because I just think it's hard to portray a real-life person, and I thought she did. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if Olivia won. Yeah. So, best actor, who is your
1: pick? Oh, Will Smith. Hands down, Will Smith. Even though, maybe not. (laughs) You know, I mean, you I just, know. you really don't know because you don't know what they're looking at. Um, I know. But he, he, for Will Smith, you didn't know it was Will Smith. And he played somebody that we all are familiar with potentially.
0: Yeah. So I agree. I, one, I want Will Smith to win. And two, I think he should win. Mm-hmm. Secondary, I think, could be Benedict Cumberbatch. But yeah. Oh, oh I'm going to be pulling. For Will Smith, and I'm going to be so excited yeah. if he wins. And I believe he won the Golden Globe. So, Oh, that, did he? I believe so. I believe so. Let's hope he's got that locked in. Okay, <laughs> and for best film, what is your pick?
1: I think Coda, just because of it being a real, a true film, a story, I, you know, created or derived from real life, like a slice of life kind of
0: yeah. film.
1: Yeah, And I just thought it was so well done and so well written and and it all made sense and it all worked together. So it was a package. It yeah. was a
0: complete package. Yeah, I love the film too. I thought it was really good. I haven't seen it for a while. I saw it when it first came out. So my pick, what I want it to be, I want it to be West Side Story because out of all these films, it is my favorite and um, I could watch it. Like I said, I watched it again last night, and I could keep re-watching it. So my best film is West Side Story. But the Academy, will they pick West Side Story? I don't know. I hope so. But um, my second pick is Power of the Dog. And I say that because, and I know it's not probably the favorite of audiences, but again, for a director to bring us a different type of movie it's not your regular western um it's very different and to have four people be nominated and have that phenomenal of performances i i could see this winning so yeah but um Hmm. that's my guess it'll It'll be be so interesting yeah i'm so excited oh you just never know well margaret um the Oscars, well, just so everyone knows, the Oscars are on Sunday, March 27th at 5 p.m. And we'll see if we got any of our picks right. I want to thank you, Margaret, for joining me today. I loved, I do, I totally loved your um, your insights on that. And I love how well you explained everything. And I cannot wait to watch yeah. Licorice Pizza. <laughs> well,
1: it's. I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and it's 8 o'clock. Eastern. (laughs) Oh, the Oscars? Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. All right. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our website and follow Screens and Focus and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. If you could rate and review our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, we'd appreciate it. This will help other listeners find us. We'll be uploading new episodes of The Walking Dead weekly, so look for those. You can find our website listed in our show notes. We'll see you next time. Bye!